welcome back everyone to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations can begin. Today I'm just joined by Pastor Marcus Donaldson. How are we doing today, Marcus? Can't complain. How are you? Good. Just trying to move this mic out of the way so I can see your face. Um, yeah, so where are we at in Romans this week? We are in Romans 6. Well, so I just want to like just take a look back. We're what, halfway through now about? There's 12 chapters in Romans? think there's more than that. Look at me not being biblically accurate. 12 is, I mean, he's just getting into full speed there in uh, chapter 12, 16. 16 chapters. Okay, well, how'd you rate your experience with preaching through it so far? Anything <laughs> anything new that you've gleaned from previous studies you've done? Yeah, I mean, always learning, right? The Word of God never changes. It always means one thing, but um, well, let me say this. The, it has one meaning, the author's intended meaning, um, and that's what we communicate uh, weekly. That's what we strive to communicate weekly, right? I'm just a mailman, just delivering God's Word to God's people, um, and obviously that includes myself. So, um, yeah, always learning, always gleaning, and, you know, we, we took off at a pretty uh, fast pace, in the beginning, and now we're able to uh, slow down a little bit yeah. and sort of refine it, which, you know, makes it last a little bit longer, but there's there's just so much that we don't want to pass over um, because it's very easy, especially here and elsewhere in, in Paul's letters, um, to just kind of summarize, mm-hmm. right? Because, uh, for example, uh, Romans 6, 1 through 14 is one section. Right. Right, and you could pre- you could preach uh, Romans six one through fourteen in you know one sermon and make it in forty minutes or less, but yeah. you would just ignore a whole bunch, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to avoid that. Um, we believe that the the Word of God wasn't written to us, but it was written for us, um, and we believe that it is the Word of, Word of God. Um, it's what we need to know Him to love him to serve him perfectly or obediently not ob- <laughs> faithfully um you know that's so we we put a lot of stock in the word of god all of our stock in the word of god right um and so we we want to slow down and uh, get as much as we can from it yeah that's good yeah we had a great sunday this past week uh you were talking about being baptized into christ and what that means with uh, walking in newness of life and crucifying the old self and then we followed that up with uh, a very special baptism. Yeah. And um, yeah, a good friend of mine from uh, my days back at Chestnut Mountain, Anna Jane Minor, yeah. uh, got baptized. And actually, like her testimony was like really powerful from from the pool. She she got in there and you just gave her the mic, and um, yeah, she shared her testimony with everybody there. And um, yeah, it was a great picture of what baptism stands for and what it means for the believer and uh, what it meant for her that day. So uh, it was a great tie into like, uh, yeah, a great follow-up to what you had just preached. Yeah, I agree. Praise yeah. God. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, a recap uh, uh, verses three through seven of chapter six. Oh, you didn't want to go one and two as well. I mean, if you want to recap one and two, cause we didn't do a podcast on it, go ahead, but yeah, just let's lump do it, it all together. Yeah. So, uh, Going all the way back to 1 and 2, this is really following what Paul said in Romans 5, 20 and 21, 
And here's what he says. He says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we know, and we said it earlier um, in our study, but that Paul, he had opponents who very... uh, plainly and clearly charged him of preaching against the Mosaic law. Um, And we've said repeatedly that that's not what he's doing here. We also have noticed that he uses, um, uh, he uses diatribe, right? A a form or a a style of writing where you ask hypothetical questions to go into and out of uh, sections to introduce things. And we also know that he may have been, uh, we believe, that he may have been concerned uh, that his readers would arrive at false conclusions based on what he said. So he's doing a few things there in at the beginning of chapter 6, and it's off of the back of 5, 20, and 21. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time talking about justification in Romans 3 through the end of 5. Uh, we saw like his instruction the implications, his illustration, um, and then the results of justification, which is assurance. And now he's talking about sanctification, the believer's holiness, mm-hmm. right? That word uh, hagios in the Greek. And from there, right, the, the believer's holiness, it's being made holy, set apart. And we said that there are uh, three stages of sanctification, the, the first being positional or definite sanctification. This is the, right, where justification ends, sanctification begins, right? Not a, not ends in the sense of, like, um, you know, that's all you got. Like, now you got to figure it out yourself. Not in that sense, but yeah. justification is, uh, it's a legal standing. It's once for all time. It's entirely God's work. It's complete in this lifetime, um, and it's the same in all born-again believers. Sanctification being a little bit different. It's both a status conferred and a process pursued. It's continuous uh, throughout this life, and we cooperate in yeah. our sanctification, and it's not complete in this lifetime, and it's greater in some than others. So this first stage of, of sanctification, positional sanctification, there's a hard break from sin. You're set apart from sin, Satan, and the world. Sin is no longer the ruling, governing force in the believer's life, and positively we're set apart unto God. So set apart from sin, Satan, and the world, set apart unto God. Yeah. And so we looked uh, last week, we looked at, we spent a lot of time understanding sanctification beginning with with that first stage. Then we moved to the second, which is progressive sanctification, our growth in likeness, just simply defined. And we said that, you know, sanctification is primarily God's work, Hmm. uh, but we cooperate in that. Uh, So we should be taking steps to grow in our faithfulness, our obedience, our knowledge and love, our growth in Christlikeness. And then the last one, which is generally synonymous with glorification, which is, you know, the third stage, the completion of sanctification, which, you know, at the end of... At the end of this life, when the Lord returns or calls us home, um, on that on that last day, 
we'll receive our resurrection bodies and we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. So in one and two, what we see is the, you know, the diatribe here, the false conclusion that his readers may have arrived at, or maybe just getting ahead of some of uh, right. his opponents. Um, we see that in verse one, and then we see his answer in verse two, and then argument in three through eleven. So the the false conclusion is pretty clear. Uh, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We died to sin. There was a death there, right? That hard break from sin. Um, the, that word live in the Greek, it's used elsewhere to refer to staying in a house, right? So yeah. you, you can't live in it. You can't remain in it. You can't um, abide in that same sinful pattern that you used to because it's no longer the ruling governing force in the believer's life. So in verses 3 through 7, we started to unpack his argument, Paul's argument here, and what we said is that we, uh, two big things, right? The the broad concept are, or is, excuse me, truths that we need to know and actions that we need to take. We need to know who we are in Christ in order to um, take the right steps, really to, to walk in a manner that's worthy to the calling to which we've been called. And so we we covered four truths uh, that we need to know there in verses 3 through 7. So here's his argumentation and explanation of what it means to have died to sin. Yeah, I really, um, yeah, so I, was, I missed out on the sermon on verses 1 and 2. Um, I was out of state, but... Um, but yeah, we still talked about it that previous Friday and talked about how, um, like about the different stages of sanctification. And I think that that second stage, um, is where it gets the most murky for people where that the, the way in which we cooperate with God in our sanctification, it can take, you know, uh, two different extremes of like one of not cooperating at all and just taking advantage of the grace of God. And then in two, um, taking too much ownership over just where you're at in your life. I, I saw a video by um, uh, Jackie Hill Perry this past week, and she was talking about how maybe the, the issue with a lot of people is they focus so much on how they are failing in their battle with sin or how, how little progress they're making of like, I need to fix this, this, and this, and this, and how little they actually take to God. So like when they sin, they worry about what went wrong rather than turning and repentance, giving it to God, and then moving forward. Yep. And I think that's what this progressive sanctification, like that perfect middle ground is for us of, yes, we, we give our, our sins in repentance to God, and then we pursue righteousness by pursuing Him as well. Um, and that can take different forms each day, but it's, it's about letting God direct our lives because he's the one that got us in this position, going back to the positional sanctification, um, he's the one that got us there in the first place. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the fight of every believer is, you know, figuring out the, the way to pursue the Lord and, and cooperate with him in our sanctification. Yeah, I mean, we said that we play both a passive and an active role. Mm-hmm. Passive in the sense that we, we trust God um, 
to sanctify us. We recognize that it's that it is primarily His work. Um, we said that um, what we see in, for example, First Thessalonians five twenty three, Paul says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely." Right, as something that's been accomplished, um, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, there's this. It's primarily God's work, and then we see our active role in which we obey God and take steps that will increase our sanctification. For example, Romans eight thirteen, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's by the the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that believers are able to do this, right? To to walk according to the flesh, to put to death the deeds of the body. But notice that the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit, isn't responsible for it. Mm-hmm. The believer is responsible in this passage for putting to death the deeds of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we have both that active and passive role. And then uh, secondarily, we don't we don't rest like our justification does not rest on our obedience to be right with God, right? Justification being declared righteous, it's a legal standing. It does not depend on our obedience because if it was, that would sever us from Christ. Galatians 5.4, Paul writes this, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, right? It's, It's the idea that if my salvation rests on my obedience or or my ability, well, then I'm no longer relying on Jesus' perfect righteousness, his imputed righteousness um, on my behalf. And so I'm not saying that a person can lose salvation. What I'm saying is you're either saved by grace or you're not. Yeah. You know, it, it's saved by grace through faith or you're not. You're either saved by grace through faith in Christ, or you're not. You know, it's right. it, it's one of those things that um, just naturally builds, um, and and it really helps expose falsehood um, in our personal lives, in um, our corporate gatherings. What are we relying on? Um, and that does not mean that we ever let the foot off the the gas of our personal discipline in our personal lives. Um, we should take every thought captive to obey Christ, not just publicly, but privately. Yeah. Um, but we need to, to your point, be quicker uh, to give it to God, right? It, it's primarily His work. That's good. And I think that's actually a great place to like for us to transition into those truths from this past Sunday, um, because... You started out with talking about how we are baptized into Christ, being immersed and coming under the authority of Christ there. So why don't you just explain uh, that first truth for us? Yeah, so the the first one is that all of us, Christians, that is, every Christian has been baptized into Christ Jesus. Um, And like you started uh, started to define that word baptizo in the Greek, it, it means to be immersed, where it's when a whole uh, a person, a place, or a thing is put into a new environment. And what that does is it forever changes or alters the relationship with its previous environment. So we've been um, 
transferred from the domain of darkness or the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Um, and so we have no more relationship with the kingdom of darkness, right? That's broken. It's been severed. We're, we are in a new place, in a new environment. We are uh, positionally or definitely sanctified, set apart from sin, Satan, and the world. Um, so it's no longer the ruling, governing force in the believer's life. Um, we see that. We see that um, that phrase elsewhere. Uh, Paul using it in First Corinthians ten, one through two, where he's talking about Israel's sojourn in the wilderness, and he says that all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and so baptized into Moses clearly meaning coming under the authority of Moses. Um, They were involved from then on in all that God was doing in and through Moses' life. He was um, their anchor to God, who was their their mediator, um, and he was the channel through whom God spoke to the children of Israel. Um, Now that that leads us to, you know, what baptism is Paul talking about here? There are, there's a a lot of debate here. and understandably so. Uh, but I think when we, again, when we look at the, at the negative, right, if, if he's talking about water baptism does this, it, it marks the beginning, it, it sets us apart, it, it, it's how we are, are united with Christ. If it is water baptism, I think you have a, a lot of um, exegetical problems here and theological and hermeneutical and everything else, Um, because, you know, he's just been talking about justification, and nowhere in there is water baptism. If water baptism was what he was talking about here, that would make our union with Christ a work, and we just, it's just not in there. Um, I understand where if we read Romans 6 in isolation, how we can understand it to be water baptism, but when we harmonize, like we've been talking about for the last several weeks, uh, it's just not there. I think, you know, it'd be hard for Jesus to say to the thief on the cross, um, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, the guy hadn't been baptized, you know, like a few different issues. Now, what we do see is that in the apostolic age, right, the time that the apostles were alive and ministering and well, um, that baptism happened immediately after conversion. Yeah, there there wasn't this huge gap. Um, we don't see that until later, where we see these lengthy catechisms. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that that you have to be precise about. Mm-hmm. Um, either baptism, water baptism, unites us to Christ, or it doesn't. Um, and I think the best interpretation is to say that this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which isn't right. the Holy Spirit hokey-pokey. It's not um, a booster shot it, it, that you get later in your Christian life to you know, be united to Christ and walk strongly with the Lord. You know, like, no, we've died to sin and been set apart to God. We've been uh, united with Christ in this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this is the baptism that John talked about. It's the baptism that Jesus talked about. Yeah. Um, and that means that water baptism <coughs> is an external symbol 
of an internal reality. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it shows it visibly uh, displays or demonstrates that we've died with Christ and that we will be raised with him. We've been raised with him. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where Paul is saying, remember your baptism, because, yeah, they were baptized immediately after conversion in the apostolic age. But it's, uh, it never, the symbol never becomes the reality. Yeah. That's what's important to remember. The symbol never becomes the reality. The, ma- the water isn't, ma- excuse me, the water isn't magical. Um, the water doesn't unite us to Christ. It's, it's symbolic of an internal reality. It identifies the believer publicly with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing to note that I got um, when, you, when you talk about being immersed in Christ and, and becoming one with him, like going back to that sanctification, it's both true at the positional level of like you are in him, you are one with him, yep. but also you become more one with him as you walk down that progressive sanctification yep. too. And yeah, it's, it's a, you know, what, what do you call it? It's an already, but not yet. Yep. And, um, but part of that, that I've been seeing, uh, more and more lately is also is like when you, when you are immersed in Christ and, um, becoming one with him, like you're also coming under his authority Yep. and you're, you're also, you know, letting him be the Lord of your life, the director of your life. Yep. And you, I mean, you've referenced it a couple of times on Sunday of saying, you know, he cannot be savior if he's not Lord. Yep. And I think that's so powerful pe- for people to know because we, we have a lot of people that say, yep, I'm saved. I'm good. Get a, get a, a hell free card. Yep. Um, but also it's like they, you know, they, they, they want to keep doing the things that they're doing in their own life. So, um, that, that Lordship is, is a key, um, part of this sanctification, this immersion, this baptism as well. Um, and it was really helpful for me too. Yeah, I mean, where Jesus where Jesus is not Lord, He is not Savior, mm-hmm. and that's why that uh, being baptized into Moses and and just showing, hey, that meant that they were coming under the authority of Moses. They were involved in all that God was doing in and through Moses, and it's it's the it's a similar thing for believers, but it's. Um, infinitely more profound and permanent for yeah. believers. So that the second truth is that that all Christians then share in Christ's death. Right in in a supernatural way, we died with Christ two thousand years ago. And that identifies us not only um, in Christ generally, but in specifically his death and then the next one is in his resurrection. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that's difficult about this is, like, God didn't reveal to Paul how how this necessarily all played out, or maybe Paul just couldn't, like, express it all. I, yeah. Like, I think that if God wanted Paul to, he, he would have and could have, mm-hmm. just like uh, John's revelation. Um, and And we still, like, you know, wonder about revelation. But anyways... The, I think that, that what we needed to know, Paul uh, wrote accurately under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it, it's far too, too marvelous, too wonderful, too uh, just out of this world to fully understand that. But yeah. the reality is that we are completely and, and 
intimately united with Christ in his death. And then the third truth being is that all Christians share in Christ's resurrection, mm-hmm. um, and specifically in his resurrected life. And so he, he says there, um, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Walking, it, it refers here and elsewhere in the New Testament um, to our daily spiritual conduct. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, but I, but I say, walk by the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit, your daily spiritual conduct, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So you're walking by the Spirit, won't gratify the flesh. And so this, this newness, it refers to an equality or, or kind of life. So this um, walking in, in this newness of life, it, it's a new direction, it's a new quality, it's a new type of life. So where our, our past was characterized by habitual sin and habitual sinful patterns, uh, righteousness becomes the, the new pattern for believers. Now, again, we, we said it um, last week, talking about sanctification in verses 1 and 2, um, and that's why the, the third stage of sanctification is so important. We will never be sinless in this lifetime, completely conformed. Like First uh, John, we, we read it um, last week, but First John 1, 8, uh, it says, any minute now, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, right? There's never a point in this life where where we are sinless. Yeah. But at the end, right, glorification, at the, the completion of sanctification, uh, we will be like him, sinless, because we will see him as he is. Mm-hmm. And so sin may um, occasionally pop up, right? That's why I think that stock market... Uh, illustration is so helpful, right? There are little ups and downs, micro up, ups and downs. There may even be some, like, uh, lengthier ones. Um, but the the market generally, right, that graph should be constantly trending up. Yeah. It should never be, you know, a steep and hard and long and never coming back up, right? Ups and downs, that's normal in the Christian life. Um, but like you were mentioning earlier, I think the biggest struggle is we put too much, we take, we forget the passive role in sanctification, trusting God um, to sanctify us completely. We, we try to, I think we lean too much on contemporary psychology and um, psychological methods and all these other things, and they may be right. helpful. I'm not trying to eliminate those. What I'm saying is I think we lean too much on the world and what the world has to offer for being a better you. Um, some of those like cheap phrases like YOLO and, and everything else, and it's yeah. like, you know, God has revealed to us perfectly um, how to live yeah. life abundantly, how to walk in this newness of life, how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And I think the more that we lean into that and trust uh, God to do His work. It may be difficult. We're not always going to get it right. Uh, we need to be quick to turn to Him in repentance and faith. But the more we do, we'll see that um, when you know sin manifests itself in, in our lives, that that we have an advocate sitting at the right hand of the Father, uh, 
praying for us daily, yeah. advocating for us daily. Um, and we have the Holy Spirit of God, right? Not, not like some um, supplemental help, like the Holy Spirit, mm. you know, <laughs> living inside of us, yeah. um, conforming us into the image of Christ. So yeah. we have everything we need. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, we have uh, only a few minutes left, but oh no, I did. Um, uh, this brings up an interesting topic that I was thinking about this morning, uh, associated with um, this idea of sanctification and you know being crucified with Christ and, and baptized into His life. Now, um, is a concept of backsliding. You brought up that whole stock market, uh, you know, graph picture. Um, but like, how should we as Christians? counsel ourselves and others who feel like they are backsliding mm-hmm. or who feel like they're not making the progress that they are. And, um, I mean, I, like that stock market, you know, pictures is, is a good way to start, but like, you know, they've, you know, all they've seen is just how much they've, you know, fallen and failed, you know, time and time again. Um, so like, what would you say to the concept of backsliding? Um, so First, I think we should define backsliding. Yeah. How would you define it? Yeah, I think I'd define it as just people going back to what they've struggled with before, uh, whether that was before they were converted or something that they've just struggled with for a long time. They've tried to make some progress on it, but they either um, relapse into uh, the, a place they were before um, or... Um, don't seem to be making any progress at all. Mm-hmm. So um, a few things, right? If I was, if I was counseling a person, um, I would, I would want to make sure uh, to the best of my ability, um, and that sounds really subjective, but like looking at what God's word says about um, what true salvation is um, and if that person has experienced it, right? So the the difficulty in the 21st century, which isn't uh, exclusive to the 21st first century, excuse me, but um, I would want to make sure that they're saved. I would want to make sure that Jesus is actually their Lord and Savior, that yeah. they've repented and believed in the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin and promise of eternal life. So I'd want to hear their testimony. And and if they have a, a credible profession of faith, right, Jesus is their Lord and Savior, um, you know, I'd, I'd want to go to the Word and see what the Word says about, um, hey, what what is this sin, for example? So... Say, I don't know. Give me, give me an example. Alcohol, alcohol, right? Alcohol is one of those things. That's so. That's that was my issue, right? Mm-hmm. Before coming to faith in Christ, um, you know, my old pattern was to drink in excess, right? Like I don't eat sugar-free gum. I don't drink diet soda. Like if I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna drink. You know, like there's there's no half speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, after the Lord saved me, you know, it's like, you know, I had to really wrestle with this. Like, hey, the Lord calls it sinful to get drunk, so what do I need to do? Right. What do I need to do? You need not, not get drunk. Not get drunk, because it's sinful, right? Um, so, I, so I needed to be like, all right, the Lord saved me. I'm his. He's mine. 
He's the Lord and Savior. I'm not. It's sinful. It's destructive in my life, and it's interrupting my relationship with the Lord. Like, point blank, period. Um, and so, uh, now, again, it's like, in the Bible, in Scripture, drinking isn't a sin. Mm-hmm. Drinking in excess is. So I had to cut that off because I can't do a beer with dinner. I can't. I can't enjoy, you know, like some people are able to. Now, again, getting tipsy, getting a buzz—that's that's over the line, right? I can't do that. There's no buzz. It's blackout or nothing. And and I'm not trying to celebrate it. I'm just trying to yeah. portray how seriously how bad I was. Right. Um, so for me, it's one of those things that that I pray to God regularly that I would never touch again. Mm. And it's been, um, I, I think, five or six years now that that I haven't touched it. Right. Um, and so like here we are five or six years later and does that mean that I don't struggle with it sometimes no like there are some days where I'm like man you know it'd be great nice cold drink Mm -hmm. and I'm like nope the Lord saved you from it don't don't submit again to yoke of slavery forget that for like it's gone there you know you like I know me and and I know that there's no enjoying it I know that there's no just casual I want to taste it nope I want to drink it as, as fast as I can and get as hammered as I can. Mm-hmm. Not good. It's a sin, it's clearly sinful. Um, it interrupts my relationship with the Lord. It's destructive to my personal and professional life. Leave it alone. Yeah. Let, like cut it off. Mm-hmm. And and you know in the beginning of that, it's like it, it was really hard. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Go through it. Go through it. Don't give in. Um, and the longer it's been, those those days where, you know, I'm I'm struggling with temptation. The days where, um, I'm, you know, thinking about, you know, doing something or whatever. I'm like, they're fewer and further between, mm-hmm. um, and and increasingly, the the temptation has less less of a uh, a pull on me right right yeah i think that's good it's just like that idea of you know that the verse that says like when you resist the devil he will flee from you it's like when you start resisting and like start putting up some barriers start implementing daily disciplines into the life like yeah it may it may not feel like you're getting progress with the feeling of temptation but if you're not giving into it and you're able to continually fight it like eventually like it'll it'll start to wear off but the the encouraging thing is like like you said you have to trust the lord like that is the the basis for yeah for your sanctification and for your progress and if if it if you start feeling like you're just going backwards then i think people have an inaccurate view of where you came from and who actually saved you yeah yeah, exactly. And and you know this it all it made I don't know how well I uh, portrayed that, but it's it's one of those things like it, it wasn't just that I had a problem. It's that the people that I was hanging around had a problem too. So all of this to say, I lost friends that I still cared 
or still care about deeply um, because of this. You know, it's like, oh, man, Marcus isn't cool because he's not drinking with us. Like, I'd go watch college football or go go somewhere after work, and, like, I'm not drinking. I'm just the sober guy. I'd be happy to drive and everything else. And so I stopped getting the invitations or, you know, they were just outright, like, if you're not going to drink, man, there's no point of you coming. Like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, because Jesus meant more to me and and my relationship with him meant more to me than my relationship with those people. Now, by the Lord's grace, I was able to lead some of them uh, to salvation. And and I think it's, it's not because I looked like them. Mm. It's because I looked different from them. And they saw that I was able to have a good time and to, you know, be the same person uh, that I was apart from alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now, not all of them saw that, not able or weren't able to see that, um, but that's okay. Yeah. Just got to trust the Lord in it. So, you know, losing friends, family members, I, I've shared this before, but I remember I went to my cousin's high school graduation. My, all of my, so she was my second cousin. Um, she graduated from, high school she was going to the university of kentucky she's now a a a nurse and a cheerleader for the uh the chiefs kansas city chiefs okay and um i was sitting in my cousin my first cousin in his garage with like all of my other first cousins and (laughs) they opened the fridge to get a beer (laughs) and they go to hand me one and i'm like i'm not drinking (laughs) And they're like, like record skips. Everybody just turns and looks, and they're like, "What do you mean you're not drinking? That's what we do." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I mean, the Lord saved me from it. Like, I'm not going back to it." Yeah. Um, and it was one of those moments where it's like, "Would you? Will you be okay with that?" Mm-hmm. Um, and and I certainly was then. I am today. Yeah. And I don't love them any less. I don't care about them any less. Um, I just know that that, hey, this is where I stand um, because of who the Lord is to me, what he's done for me, what he's doing in me, um, and I don't want to interrupt that as best I can. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that's a, a great place to to wrap it up. Uh, you know, even with our, with our final truth there, of like our old self was crucified with Jesus, like there should be that noticeable change in yep. our lives to, to show the reality of salvation, to show the reality of sanctification happening in our lives. Yeah, because so. you're grown with them. Yep, that's good. Um, also, um, you had just, it was, a, it was a great moment on Sunday when you talked about the dog wife, so that was <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to bring that up one more time. The dog wife. I was like, everyone's looking at me like I'm an alien, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Well, listener, if you want to continue the conversation, even with the topic of backsliding, Marcus, where can they continue that? Josh X Richards at gmail.com. That's right. Um, but listener, we thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you will uh, join us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for our Wednesday night discipleship. But until next time.